Captain Midnight, brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, with the makers of Ovaltine, the world-famous food drink. I know all you young aviation fans and followers of Captain Midnight know a lot about flying and about flying terms. You know what it means, for instance, when an aviator says he's flying right on the beam, you know he means he's flying straight for his goal, exactly on his course. But let me ask you this. Are you right on the beam yourself? Are you getting where you want to go as fast as you can? Now, I'm talking about your health, your weight, your height. Are you getting stronger and huskier every day with more pep and ginger? Are you becoming more popular with your friends? Well, here's what thousands of smart young fellows and girls are doing to keep themselves headed in the right direction. They're drinking Ovaltine regularly, every day. You see, Ovaltine brings you vitamins and minerals and other things you need to keep yourself right on the beam. Food substances you often don't get enough of in ordinary meals. So if you want to keep racing along on your course, right on the beam like a high-speed plane, you just start drinking sweet chocolate-flavored Ovaltine two or three times a day. You'll like it. You'll really go for its taste. You'll say it's the most delicious way in the world to get the things you need to make yourself bigger and stronger and huskier. But now, don't put it off. Get a jar of sweet chocolate-flavored Ovaltine and start drinking it right away. And say, fellas and girls, be sure to have pencil and paper ready right after tonight's adventure when we'll have another big secret squadron signal session. And now, on with the action-packed adventure, the jewels of the Queen of Sheba with Captain Midnight and the secret squadron. Yesterday, Captain Midnight, by means of the pocket locator, ordered Icky, Joyce, and Andy Maxson to continue toward Lake Tohiba in spite of the mysterious plane that was following them. But he asked them to keep him posted every few minutes. Now they're nearing Lake Tohiba, and Andy Maxson at the controls is trying evasive tactics again. I'll give that boy credit. He sure knows how to fly. Yeah, and I'd give my left arm to know who's at the controls. Wait... Maybe it's Sans Souci, Andy. No, 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 that sly old fool couldn't fly a kite. But it could be the other one, the face in the window, the one who posed as the chauffeur. Yeah. But whoever it is, Andy, I'll bet one thing. It has some connection with these Arbubaskis. If I ever find out that that's the guy who shot up my nice little amphib at Cairo, I'll fix his clock good. Now, with this plane, you won't, Andy. We're more or less at his mercy. The only armor we got is our pistols. Yeah, I know it. He's got more speed than we got, too, and there's nothing I can do about it. He had some clouds. In this country, there just ain't such a thing as clouds. Well, it won't be long now. According to my calculations, we shall be seeing Lake Tahiba any time now. Precious minutes pass, and as the plane nears Lake Tahiba, Captain Midnight and Chuck wait anxiously along the shore. It ought to be due any time, Captain. Well, they might have struck a slight headwind. No need to worry yet, Chuck. We heard from him just a few minutes ago in the pocket locator. Gosh, it sure will be good to see Icky and Joyce again. Yeah. This is the longest we've been separated in quite a while. Yes, it is, at that. Uh... Captain. Yes, Chuck? That ring. Do you mind if, if I look at it? Why, no, of course not. I got a glimpse of it before, but not a good one. I, well, it has such a fabulous history that I've almost been afraid to ask. Yes, I know what you mean. It is a fabulous ring. You feel that the instant you look at it. Are you going to turn it over to the Emperor of Abyssinia eventually, after you capture Bubastes and find the jewels of the Queen of Sheba? Yes, I believe the Emperor is its rightful owner. Here, I'll take it out of its case. Okay, here is the original ring that King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba. A ring that's caused bloodshed and suffering, triumph and disaster. A ring that's as fabulous as the Queen of Sheba herself was. 
Gosh, what a beauty. Oh, what's that cut in the top, Captain? Oh, that's the Hebrew letter S, Chuck, and I suppose stands for Sheba because this is her signet ring. Boy, I'd like to have a ring like that. <laughs> Captain, do you believe the story about the hidden plateau, snow-capped once a year, crowned with a black crown? Strangely enough, Chuck, I do. I was, of course, very skeptical when I first overheard Bubastis talking that night in his camp, but... Later, when we got tangled up with Mark and those Hudawichis, and he told me almost the very same story, well, then I began to take this legend seriously. I'm quite convinced now that Asar Bubastes is crazy like a fox. Those jewels must exist, Chuck. And that plateau must also be an important key to the location of the Queen of Sheba's tomb. Now, see, here's another clue. Oh, what's that, sir? The surface of this top stone. Notice anything peculiar about it? Uh... Nothing except that it's it's got uh, triangular carving on it. Yeah, so is the hidden plateau supposed to be triangular, remember? By gosh, you're right, sir. Gee, that's a beautiful ring. Oh, that sounds familiar. And wonderful. It's them. They're coming. There they are, coming in from the southwest. Yes, you can just barely see a speck against the blue sky. Boy, oh boy, I'd be glad to see them. And there's that other plane. Hey, look, the second plane has made a dive on them. They're going to it. <laughs> in less time than it takes to tell a furious battle takes shape high in the skies over Lake Tohiba. Andy Maxson's bewildered at first, but he rapidly recovers. Well, what do you wait all this time for? I don't get it. I don't either, but this is no time to worry about that. You'll burn the feathers off of his tail. Him that time. I will the next time. Look out! Here he comes at us again from above. Coming in at high noon. Oh, they got me! Joyce! Andy's been hit. Grab the controls, Joyce. Take her down. Take her down quick. Land it on the water. I can see the captain and shot. Take it easy, Andy. We'll be down in just a second. Oh, I'm all right. Easy, boy. My leg. Easy, boy. Go back and get that radicky. Don't let him get away. Now, don't worry. We've got no intentions of letting him get away. Swiftly, expertly, Joyce brings the CB into a perfect glide along the water. She pulls up to the shore, and Icky calls out. Captain! Captain! Andy's been hitting the leg! All right, hand him out. Easy there. Grab him, Chuck. Okay. Captain, it's good to see you again. Never mind the talk, you crazy idiot. Close your eyes and relax. Go get him, Cappy. Don't let that buzzard get away. I don't intend to. Now, the two of you get out. You need a rest. Chuck, you stay here with the others. I'm going up and bring that vulture down if I can. He's got a machine gun. A portable machine gun, Captain. You won't stand a chance. We'll stand less of a chance if we stay down here and make a perfect target. Come on, I'll make it snappy. Hey! Hey, he's making a run out of stuck, everybody! Everybody all right? Nobody else hit? Good. Joyce, do what you can for Andy's leg. Here I go. Good luck, sir. Good luck, Captain. Give the watch, Captain Midnight. Captain Midnight climbs straight up to the ex-Nazi fighter pilots there waiting for him. There ensues the most vicious dogfight that the secret squadron has seen since the war. A grinding, grueling dogfight in which Wolfgang, the ex-Nazi, fits his evil skill against the matchless skill of Captain Midnight. But it's an uneven battle. Captain Midnight's able to get in only a few random shots from his pistol close range against the machine gun of Wolfgang. But then, Wolfgang runs out of ammunition. Captain Midnight realizes it instantly and becomes more daring. He can afford to take chances now, and he does. 
Closer and closer the two frames come together, both men firing single pistol fire into the glass of their cockpits. And then... Shush! Chuck! The captain got him! He got him! I can see smoke streaking from the other plane! Hey, look, he's going into a dive and the captain's right on top of him! Wow! What a beautiful display of fire putting up, even though he is hit! Well, how's it going, kid? Who's winning? Now, you just relax, Andy. Everything will be all right. Yes, sir. Everything's going to be all right. Well, is it over? Well, who won? Tell me. Don't keep me in suspense. Who won? Why, Captain Midnight won, of course. You bet he won, Andy. That other truck is running off in the distance, smoking to beat the band. Yeah, but Chuck, what's the skipper coming back for? Why didn't he follow up the advantage? Well, we'll know in a minute because he's coming in fast. What happened, sir? Engine's been acting up. I was afraid to trust it. How are you feeling now, Andy? Happy you'll catch you. If this ain't one on me coming in a cripple when I had it in mind to be of assistance to you. <laughs> You'll be plenty of assistance, Andy. It's doggone good to lay eyes on your ugly frame again after all these years. Too many years, hey, Cappy? By golly, you ain't changed a bit. Thanks, Andy, and the same goes for you. But come on now, lie back and let me look at that leg of yours. That's the first order of business. Captain Midnight examines the wound, finds that the bullet has gone completely through the fleshy part of Andy Maxson's calf. While painful, the wound is not serious. And later that evening, after both groups have caught up on all the news, Captain Midnight gets to another order of business, that of the precious ring of the Queen of Sheba. And that's the story of this ring that I'm about to show you. I want you to see it, because after seeing it, you'll be as impressed as Chuck and I, who are just as skeptical as you probably are now. Doggone, Captain, that's the craziest story I ever heard. I ain't skeptical, Captain, but I'm dying to see the ring. Well, here it is. There. Feast your eyes on that. Wow. Say. One look at that ring and you can understand why the Queen of Sheba treasured it so much. Captain, do you know what? I think that ring, I mean a reasonable copy of it, would make a wonderful souvenir for all the members of the Secret Squadron. Hmm. Say, that's not a bad suggestion, Chuck. In fact, it's a mighty good one. Do you really think so? Mm-hmm. Boy, I can just see now how thousands of faces light up if they could have a ring something like this. As a matter of fact, Chuck, the more I think of it, the more I like the idea. Not merely for its sentimental value, but for other reasons. Well, what do you mean, sir? Well, I can't explain now, but I'll keep that suggestion in mind, Chuck. In fact, I promise to give it lots of thought. Now, look. It's getting dark. I want you all to notice something. Remember my telling you that the hidden plateau would turn white one week out of the year? Yes. And that week would come in the springtime. The moon would be in its fourth phase. And according to the legend, the ring would, at that one week of the year, emit a greenish glow. Yeah. Well, are my eyes deceiving me, or is that ring sparkling green right now? Wow. Lupin, Lupin. He's been selfish. Well, I'll be dogged. It does have a greenish sparkle to it. I didn't notice until this afternoon. A couple of days ago, its sparkle was of another color entirely. Fellas, this means that the time has come that the hidden plateau can be plainly seen from the air. It will be entirely white for one short week. And that's why Asar Bubastis needed the ring so much. So he could tell just when the hidden plateau would be easily visible from the air. Yes, but we haven't any time to lose. If that plane got back to Addis Ababa or any place from where the pilot could contact Asar Bubastis, we'll have that gang of cutthroats on our trail in no time. Even if he doesn't make it, we haven't much time. We've got to get our plane repaired so we can get up in the air and find that plateau before that week is up. And there we'll find the tomb of the Queen of Sheba. Success at hand. The time one element, Asar Bubastis another. Will the legend of the ring prove to be true? Will the secret squadron actually find the hidden white cap plateau? Don't miss Monday's thrill-packed adventure, The Double Cross. Now tonight, we have a thrilling secret code message from Captain Midnight in the new 1948 secret code. 
And every Secret Squadron member who has that swell new 1948 Mirror Magic Codograph can work it out in a hurry. Now here's tonight's message, an exciting clue about Monday's adventure in Master Code 19. First word. Five. Nineteen. Twenty-six. Twenty-one. Fifteen. Eleven. Three. Twelve. Twenty. Twenty-six. Second word. Twenty-six. Twenty-one. Eleven. Sixteen. One. Six. Fifteen. Eleven. That's all. Now set the hidden master code setting in your new Mirror Magic Codograph for Master Code 19 and figure out the secret clue to tomorrow's adventure. And listen regularly for more of these exciting Secret Squadron signal sessions with your new 1948 Mirror Magic Codograph. And say, remember those swell contests in your Secret Squadron handbook with lots of cash prizes you can win? They're fun to do, so better get busy. Enter those contests right away. Look on page 12 in your Secret Squadron handbook for the contest rules. Send an Ovaltine label with your entry. Don't forget that Ovaltine label as it says in the rules, because without the Ovaltine label, you can't win one of those swell cash prizes. Get out your Secret Squadron handbook, get your entries in right away. Now, if you sent in for a codograph and it hasn't come, you don't worry. Your codograph should be on its way in a few more days. Tune in Monday, same time, same station to Captain Midnight. Until then, this is your Ovaltine announcer, Tom Moore, saying goodbye and happy landing. This program came to you from Chicago. Stay tuned now for Tom Mix, which follows in just a moment. Our program is transcribed. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System.